The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Would you bow your heads and I'm going to ask you just repeat after me, okay? Close your eyes. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, lead us through God's word. Change us. Fill us. Remind us of your presence in our lives. And point us to Jesus, our Savior. Amen. All right. So I'm going to start off with a picture, and I'm going to have you look at it. And probably for most of you, even myself, as mechanically challenged as my brain is, would know a lot of these tools because they're everyday tools that you use in a house. And yes, uh, over the years, after the three homes that I've lived in, I had to use some of these. Granted, it's been with a friend. Hey, come over here, help me. Uh, But knowing these tools, yeah, okay, most of us know uh, what they are. And I remember growing up, uh, I had a dad who was actually good at this, but I chose not to, to listen to him and, and just go play soccer all my, all my life. You know, it's, anyway, uh, in 1989, I had my first car, a Chevy S10, brand new car. Chevy S10 uh, Blazer was a manual. Uh, you're not laughing at the car, right? I mean, uh, I'll turn this way. It's 20. Uh, so, I was buying my first house. I was living with the roommate, saving up to buy my first house, um, living with the roommate, you know, and really making a point to, to change my oil and oil filter every 3,000 miles on this thing. I drove it over 180,000 plus miles. And then one time, uh, as I was thinking, you know what? I'm getting pretty good at this with the tools and everything that you need. I'm going to also change the spark plugs and, and the wires and the, and the distributor cap. I mean, how hard could that be? Uh-huh. So, as I'm working on uh, the number three spark plug and uh, saying a few choice words, yes, and apologizing to God and cutting my hand and all this kind of stuff, my roommate comes out eating a sandwich, you know, just kind of woke up from a nap. You know there's a tool for that. Like, oh, great, there's a tool for that. I mean, you couldn't just Google and, and YouTube it like you, you do these days, right? But uh, really on a, an 89 S10, it was hard to get to... Um, that, that spark plug that I had so much difficulty with until I had this, this tool. I mean, it was great, but if you put me in front of like an auto mechanics toolbox or a construction site, you know, the construction carpenter's toolbox, I would look at it and like, I have no idea what that is. Especially power tools. Don't give me power tools. That would be dangerous. But, but my, my point is this, you know, I'd be able to maybe make an educated guess, but if, if, if I was working as a mechanic or whatever and say, hey, take this tool, Tony, go to work, or at a construction site, go to, I would be useless. The tool might be useful. I would be useless. And so here's the point. Tools can be useful or useless to anyone depending on how familiar you are with them. Now, there's one tool that I am pr- pretty familiar with. In fact, I started using it about the same time uh, that I got my first car. In 1989, I was in a small group, and, and I started hanging around with people that used it. And really, the people that were using it sometime l- later in life, they were actually experts. They were pros at using this tool. And I guess you could call me a pro by now since I've been using it on a regular basis for 28 years of my life. I've used this tool for demolition to knock things down that needed to be knocked down, 
I've used it for renovation, for making things new again, making them look beautiful. I've used it for seeing how God would just powerfully and miraculously give life to someone. Amazing, amazing tool. In fact, it's the most powerful tool that I will ever possess, and it's the most powerful tool that you will ever possess. By now, you know what I'm talking about. It's God's word of truth. It's the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. It's 66 books all put together, one gigantic love letter to you and to me that talks about the person and the work of Jesus. The one who died on a cross for our sins, the one who rose again for our salvation. In fact, we're, we're doing a sermon series called Here We Still Stand because, I know, Joe, years ago we did a sermon series on we, Here We Stand. And now we're saying here we still stand because it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Pastor RJ last week started our series with the the word grace. Have you ever heard the acronym grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. All of what God has done, his riches, his salvation, heaven, faith, all of that given to us at Christ's expense, unmerited and undeserved. His unmerited and undeserved favor on us, that's grace. Because back 500 years ago, the the Christian church had an emphasis on, you know what? It's how much money you could give, and then you'll get the grace. You give this amount of money, you're going to be straight to heaven, or your family members are going to be in heaven. Or if you just behaved a certain way, if you were pious, if you were trying to be righteous, you know, maybe you'll get and earn some of God's grace. Well, that's God's word of truth doesn't say that. And so the word of God is is the privilege that we get to have and to see and to look at. And in fact, while I'm going to be looking at it, you're also too. Open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And really, just a simple thought that I'm going to have you take away today. It's very simple. You've probably heard it over and over again in this place, but it's this. Use God's word and you'll be useful. Another way to say that is if you work the word of God like a tool, if you work the word of God, well, the word of God's going to what? It's going to work on you. It's very simple, simple truth that as we look to God's word, which is the only truth, the only source of truth that we can find in any situation, God's truth is really, that's it. Because, you know, as I prayed earlier, you know, people around the country were asking why. Why Las Vegas? We want to know the motive of the 59 dead and the hundreds, hundreds killed. Why God? What's the reason? We want to know why Harvey, why Irma, why did it land there? All these things. Why the cancer now? Why the accident here? Why this relationship broken? And we have all these things that we want answers to. And guess what? God already gives us the answer. It's plain and simple in his word. The answer is sin. I mean, the Bible talks about it. Even nature itself, the creation groans. It's subjected to frustration. It doesn't work the way it did when when he made the world and it was all good. And not just all good, but it was very good. And then when Satan deceived Adam and Eve, even every human being after that is subjected to sin and evil. I mean, that's the answer. Yet, we also have another answer because God gave it to us. And the answer is, I gave you Jesus. I gave you Jesus so everybody would see him die on a cross and write about it and see him rise again from the dead. And then you know what? After you see his body, your body's going to be like that too. So no more ribs that are going to be deformed for Tony Bowes when I have, I'll be living in a new heaven and a new earth. Praise God. Are you there? Are you ready to be with me? I mean, 
I'm ready. So if, even if I'm preaching right now and Jesus comes back, wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Yet for some, it wouldn't be, would it? Because they haven't read the word of truth or heard it. But praise God, you do. And you have. And we know it. Because Jesus comes and the Bible says that God is for us. God is with us. That he wants to love us all the time, no matter what we do or what we don't do. By the way, um, I gave an insert in the bulletin. And as I was praying this morning, uh, don't read it now, but it's a great uh, reminder to us that uh, Martin Luther wrote these words. Uh, that God's word did everything. And as I was looking at this, you might want to take it out. You might want to write a note. Put on there Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. I just did that this morning because I was reading this. And sorry, but I like the Lutheran lemonade uh, sometimes. Uh, that that, that Martin Luther says, While I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends, um, God's word works. And Mark chapter 4 is the only parable, in, in, uh, uh, it's not in the other Gospels, but it's in Mark 4 that says, when, when the sower throws the seed down, whether he slept or whether he was awake, God's word was powerful. That we would read God's word and understand its truth and its power. We're going to read that word of truth together from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Um, we're going to go through uh, chapter 4, verse 5. So open up God's word of truth and let's understand his grace on our lives more, his love for us, his peace, his strength, shall we? Are you there with me? Don't read the article, it's a good one, just put it, put it away. Read God's word. That's what Luther would tell you anyway. Read God's word. All right, uh, beginning in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the what? The truth. And turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul's opening remarks in verse 14 and 15 talk about, and it might be true for some of us, talk about and refer back to Timothy's godly upbringing. The Bible says from literally his infancy. He had people around him that used God's word skillfully. From infancy you have known the holy scriptures. What were the scriptures to them at that point? The Old Testament. The Old Testament. In fact, in chapter 1 of this same uh, letter, Paul writes to young Timothy, a pastor, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. You see, his mom and his grandma 
grew up knowing the Word of God, and some scholars think really taught Timothy how to read through the Scriptures, through what Moses and the prophets and the Psalms said. And I just remember so distinctly raising up my six kids, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, before they even um, learn how to read, before they can almost even talk as they're talking, I'm showing them the letter A. A, all have sinned and fall short of the glory in God. If I tell them to do the ABCs of the Bible verses, they'll, they'll, they'll do it. B, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. C, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Does that, do you remember that? Do not be afraid for I am with you. Even a child is known by his actions for whether his conduct is pure and right. I don't know what F was. If for God so loved the world, maybe. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see? They didn't even read yet, but they're knowing the scriptures. And I think, I think about our own society, the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries in America. How did people learn to read? What was the textbook? It was the Bible, the most powerful tool that we'll ever have in our hands. And, and, and Paul is writing to Timothy, the, this scriptures, these holy writings, and in, in the Greek it's really sacred scriptures or holy letters, the ones that you've been convinced of. You see, here's the thing. He wasn't convinced because his grandmother or mother brainwashed him. You know? My kids are not convinced because I didn't brainwash them. But by the power of the word of God that first came to them at their baptism, and as they live their life, they have become convinced because the scriptures are powerful. Because through the reading of the Word of God and the hearing of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit works. That's why I ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, pray. Holy Spirit, come. Through the Word of God, change us. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, open us up so that we might hear what you're going to say. And, and as a parent, and maybe for, for anyone that's out there that has a, a child, isn't it your prayer? Isn't it your prayer, too, that sometime it wouldn't be uh, your parents' religion? or your parents' faith, but some now, they've been convinced because now it's their own personal faith. Billy Sunday, this preacher of the 20th century, said these words, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. I mean, I love that, that those words because it's so true. And, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings in here, and I don't want to also discourage you, but you know that churches around America, there are unbelievers and believers in them. That somewhere in these seats, I'm preaching to somebody who's really not a Christian. And that's okay. Because I'm just going to preach the word, and the word of God does everything. It's going to change your heart, just like it changed my heart. And you're going to understand who Jesus is and how much he loves you. But really, it's just because I go to church doesn't make me a child of God. And just because if I... If I, we baptize little infant babies because we know we give them, that God gives them faith and, and gives them the Holy Spirit and they become part of his family. And then if we just say, you know what, little baby, you're baptized, you're good, see you later. Go, go, give, go live life. It's not a magic pill. No, they got to hear the word of God. They got to understand the word of God. Baptizing and teaching, the Bible says. Not just baptizing. And sometimes some traditions have it in our church where you're baptized, you're good. No, Jesus says, baptizing and teaching all that I have commanded. And I'm going to be with you 
always to the very end of the age. One of my favorite verses that convinced me of this truth that the Holy Spirit has power in the Word of God is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with what? Power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. I love that. That Greek word power, it means dynamite. Okay? Isaiah 55, I love its truth so much, so is my word, God says, that goes out from my mouth, his creative, his powerful word, the word that created all the heavens. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Whatever you're hearing and seeing from God's word today, I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to work in your life and is going to meet you where you are, no matter what I say, how I speak, how powerfully I speak, how unpowerfully I speak, if I mess up with my own words, when you read God's words, they don't make mistakes. Right? And they're going to change us. The Word of God can be worked as a tool, and as a result, it works on us. Very simple. Use God's Word, you'll be useful. Work the Word of God. It works on you, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pen- Look at the verbs. It penetrates even to dividing. It divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is powerful. It does all that. It penetrates. It divides. It judges our own attitudes, even if we think we know better than God. We read his word and we say, I'm done. You're right. I'm wrong. God's word of truth is powerful. James chapter 1, verse 18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. You see, God's word, that's something that's done to us. We didn't do it. We don't choose it. But God gives it to us. What a gift. It's all in our homes. You probably have how many Bibles in your house? Right? But, but, but learning about it and growing together, not just from a pastor speaking it, And not just being in church, but being involved in a small group. And growing on a daily basis with the Word of God together. Going to Bible study. This is just a gift that we have. Because the people that brought you to church or shared the Word of God with you are probably going to say, it's not me. I didn't convict you. I didn't convert you. I didn't do that. It's the Holy Spirit as the word of God was spoken in your life, in your heart, in your mind, to open up. Just like Lydia in the book of Acts, God opened her heart to believe. That's powerful because this tool, I mean, think about it. This tool is able to do the most difficult thing there is in life. A miracle, humanly impossible. It's able to take a spiritually dead person, spiritually blind an enemy of God in my mind, and it's able to make me spiritually alive and a child of God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anyway, the Bible says it's able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That faith is a gift. So if you're convinced right now that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that he died for your sins, that he rose again from the dead and he promises he's going to come back. You've been convinced not by mothers and fathers, although take a moment right now and thank God for those in your life that brought the word of God to you. Whether it was your pastors, whether it was uh, great-grandparents, whether it was a godparent, 
whether it was somebody down the street or a college roommate or whatever it was, thank God for them, but thank God more for the power of his word that you get to open it up every day and read it. Timothy is, 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 is listening to this as a young pastor, and Paul gives him the plain and simple explanation of why and how the scriptures are so powerful. Why are the scriptures so powerful? He says it in verse 16 of chapter 3. They are God-breathed. They are God-breathed. God-breathed. I mean, think about that. This word of truth, this breath of God that comes out of his mouth to be able to say, let there be, and there was. To be able to say, Lazarus, come out. And he does. They're God-breathed, powerful words that were given to the prophets, that were given to the, 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 uh, the writers of all the epistles. Peter says it this way, that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it, were, it was given, it, we, instead of God-breathed, we can say inspired. Inspired. Sometimes naturally, in just in natural ways they're writing, sometimes supernaturally. But the Word of God is the Word of God, and it's powerful, and it's useful. It's the most useful tool we're ever going to have. But just like any power tool or any tool, if you don't use it, it's not going to work on you. So we use the Word of God because it will work on us, and it's going to do the, the one number one main purpose is to make you wise for salvation to give you faith. But then the second purpose is found in verse 17 or it was in this in this scripture all scripture is God breathed it's useful for useful for I always read it slowly teaching rebuking correcting training See these scriptures they're going to keep us from falling away they're going to keep us from wandering from the faith. They're going to keep us from trying to run away from God. They're going to keep us from temptation and sin. And using that tools analogy then, uh, teaching. They're useful. For, it's, it's basic construction. It's useful for teaching. It's basics, the basics of, of, of the scriptures. You're a sinner. Christ died for you. That's it. It's that simple. It's that basic. But it's also used for rebuking. And you might say it's used for demolition. Remember when I said to knock things down that need to be knocked down? Because when you come with all your pride and all your wisdom and all your science and all the knowledge that you think you have, God's going to say, listen, I created the heavens and the earth. I created you to know me. How, am I, how, am I, how are you going to hear me? Through Jesus. The word made flesh to understand who he is, and it's useful for demolishing our wrong thinking to convince us that we've fallen short of the glory of God, to shine the light of his word on us, to show us our sin. And then finally we cry out, like Isaiah from chapter 59, verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Those are tough words. What do you coming into this place right now that's on your heart how have you sinned against God in thought word and deed how are you trying to hide from him that you can't hide what is it right now that is is broken in your life the word of God demolishes it rebukes 
At the same time then, though, the word of God corrects us. It reminds us. It's just talking about renovation. It makes us new again. Because every time that we're broken in our hearts, well, then God's going to lift us up. Psalm 32 verse 5 says, Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The word of God comforts me. It reassures me that every sin that I did, my past sin, my present sin right now, the future sin that I have, it was all nailed to the cross. And he forgave the guilt of my sin. Praise God. That's what we need to hear because we are sinner and saint. We're, we're sinful all the day until we, we die. Until we'd, we're to be with him. But at the same time, we're covered in his righteousness. So the Bible says, take off that old self every day. And put on the new. And be renewed in his image day by day. That's the home improvement project that never ends. You ever have one of those? Do you have one now? You know, I mean, it just keeps on getting better and better. And Paul writes in the, in the, the, to the Philippian church, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you, what's that good work? Salvation, faith, being adopted into his kingdom, given grace, mercy, all that good work. This is what Steve said in the very beginning of the service. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about us. It's about what God did, and he's going to carry it on to completion. He is the one that is faithful when we are faithless. He is the one that says, I'm going to keep my promise to you, that you're mine. I mean, that's good stuff, isn't it? The most powerful thing that you have is, is your salvation from God's word. That's what his number one reason is that to, give us God's, to give us his word so that we might be saved. Then the second one is really found in, in chapter 3, verse 15. It says, so that. So that the man of God, I'll say woman of God, person, the child of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the more you use the scriptures, the more useful you'll be. We talked about God's grace. We're talking about God's word of truth. Next week, we talk about relationships matter. That God loves us because we are the instruments of his salvation. So in your workplace, in your home, all the vocations and callings in life that you have, you're going to be more useful to God if you know the Word of God. And so he's given it to you as a gift. Use God's Word, and you'll be useful. Work the Word of God, and the Word of God works on you. That's it. Amen.